Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Making Lemonade, the podcast where we talk about how we take the lemons that life gives us and all of the different flavors of lemonade that we as creatives and as people make throughout our lives. This week, we are talking about the 12 steps for creatives, and I've translated them for creatives. Not sure what that means. Let's just get into it, eh? And we'll have a listen to Russell Brand's version of the 12 steps as well. Blah, Advertising time, ladies and gentlemen. We have a couple of adverts this week. Um, look, I'm not trying to sell you anything except for the experience of wonderful, locally sourced art. The Lost Boys Collective is a business I built with the help of eight of my favorite illustrators. Sorry, nine of my favorite illustrators. The Lost Boys are all Australian-based and some of the best up-and-comers in the illustration game here in Oz. Our members consist of the illustrious Jackson Caspers, who has been on the podcast here before, the freakishly gorgeous Austin Mangler, the king of the inks, Camilo Di Pietrantonio, aka Instacam, one half of the Mumble Boys, Rui Magarico, aka Red Unit Inc., the D&D artisan himself, Will Lehman, the head destroyer, Paldo Walls, the neo-knight, Keith Stanley, aka Blank Canvas Designs, and of course, the former host of Draw It Out and the co-host of Bad Casting, the king of the portrait, Matt Combs, and myself, the lemonade maker, Jordan Morpeth Art. You can find all that the Lost Boys are doing at our home base Instagram, at the Lost Boys Collective. I want to thank you all. I thank all of the Lost Boys as this podcast is brought to you by the Lost Boys Co. From all the Lost Boys, thanks for your support and stay tuned to our Instagram as we have plenty of new dope art to come. This episode is also brought to you by Zufia's new single, You Got Me. Um, Newcomer electronic pop duo Zufia releases their evocative debut single today, You Got Me, via all music streaming services. Co-written by the duo producer, songwriter Diaz and singer-songwriter Mears, the track blends together hypnotic electronic beats and creative vocal sampling behind Mears' in irresistibly soulful vocals. You Got Me explores the struggles of a stifled relationship lacking in communication and the inevitable explosive and emotional end results. Mia says about the tracks, inspiration, it's about that exact moment where you've held back your feelings for so long, taken to the absolute brink and your body just can't hold back anymore. Having connected via music at Vampa back in December 2018, the pair bonded immediately and have been hard at work experimenting extensively with vocals and production influenced by the unique sounds of Major, Laser, Sia, Chainsmokers, Odessa and Odessa. The new single, You Got Me, is a combination of that effort with the duo continuing their efforts as they prepare to launch their debut EP later this year. We're both incredibly proud of this new single. It's a unique sound with a message that resonates with all of us, says Diaz. But this is just the beginning. We're working on some exciting stuff 
now and we can't wait for everyone to hear it later this year. For more information, promo request, or to arrange an interview, contact Zufia, X-U-F-I-I-A at gmail.com. This episode is also brought to you by our Slack community. What is Slack? Well, have you ever used Discord or Reddit or any of the other 4chan, any of the other uh, forum systems. So Slack is an easy to use, uh, very streamlined uh, community that we use to talk about making lemonade and all things making lemonade. Um, And you can simply join by going to makinglemonadepod.slack.com. That's makinglemonadepod.slack.com. Dot com and come and join in the conversation over there. We don't have very many people, but we need you. Come on, come and join us. Come and have a chat. If you want to chat with me, just come and join uh, at makinglemonade.slack.com and you can join in episode conversations. You can join in movie, collectible conversations. We've got everything there. We've got some of the Lost Boys on there as well. So if you want to uh, connect with the Lost Boys, uh, there's plenty going on at Slack at uh, makinglemonadepod.slack.com. First thing, are you a bit fucked? The first thing is admitting that there's some sort of problem. It could be I'm always getting into shit relationships, I'm always getting into jobs and not liking it, I get into continual conflict with other males, I don't have good relationships with my family members. Are you a bit fucked? You know, so as soon as you acknowledge a problem, I think the, the possibility for change begins. But not without saying, could you not be fucked? That's the second step. Is it possible to not be fucked? Three, are you on your own going to unfuck yourself? Right? That means accepting help. For me, I knew I was a smackhead. It's obvious I was a smackhead. But I came to believe from meeting people that was much worse smackheads than me who had got clean that it was possible to not be a smackhead. But I knew that I wouldn't be able to do it on my own. If we had the answer to our problems inside our own fucking head, we'd have found it by now. If any version of psychoanalyses or whatever it is you're traipsing through to unravel the mysteries of your past, if it was going to be done in solitude, I think we would have happened upon it. This is where this program becomes interesting because it happens collectively as a group. I know that all of you have got stories. I know that any one of you could tell me something about yourself that would make me cry because it's so painful and so beautiful. I know you still carry aspirations. I know that you carry with you the heartache, the heartbreak. I know the 3 a.m. you. The third step, are you on your own going to unfuck yourself? It has sort of mystical and spiritual connotations, i.e. I happen to believe in God. I believe in God. A form of God, not some daft fucking thing written down in an old book. No, no, no. Limitless consciousness, mysteries, entanglement. Ah, the roaring world of coincidence. Step four is where it gets a bit fucking admin heavy. Step four is this. Write down all the things that are fucking you up or have ever fucked you up. Don't lie or leave anything out. That's a hard, hard process. See you. You've probably got things where someone was rude to you at school, broke your heart, made you feel insignificant, inadequate about your body or about your life or about something in you. I fucking did. Loads of things happened to me, but I've catalogued all of it fucking hell it took ages it was a right ball ache wrote it all down things that were deep in me that made me feel ashamed and separate from the world forever like oh, I could never be accepted I'll never be good enough I'd done that thing that person said that thing to me but step five is honestly tell someone trustworthy about how fucked you are what was curious about that is that on my step four which is an inventory of all my grievances or in the parlance of this program resentments there were things that were so minor I was embarrassed I could remember them minor little things that person person looked well. Glenn Dainty, sports day, pushed me aside and won. I was five. Could still remember it. And then things that I think, fuck, that was dark. I'd done that shit. Dark things, self-harming things, harm, harm. 
And when I told the other geezer that I told this to, because as I say, this program is best practiced in communion, he just went, yeah, I've done something like that, that's not that bad. My point is this, that none of us need carry the shame anymore. None of us need live in a pain-based identity anymore. I'll put it to you that we live with a biochemistry that stimulates fear and desire in order that we may survive. Need fear, get on your fucking toes, watch yourself out on them planes. You need desire to get out there and hunt and procreate. But when you live in a culture that continually stimulates fear and desire in order to make you a better consumer, these biochemical mm, advantages and imperatives become problematic. That's what I'm saying we're living in now. Having done this inventory, you'll be ready for step six. It reveals a lot of fucked up patterns. Like when I looked at my own life, I saw that the way I used to get expelled out of schools was the same way I would get thrown out of jobs years later. The same way that my relationship was difficult with people when I was a schoolboy became difficult romantic partnerships when I was an adult. We have got patterns. And here I will make one of the most important points to you that I can make. You don't choose between working a program and not working a program. You choose between a conscious program and an unconscious program. You are already working a program without question. You are working in the conditioning of your culture, your class, your family and your school. You are the person that you were told to be for good or for ill. What this is, is an opportunity to identify your patterns and your behaviours so that you can form a better aspect of yourself. I feel that we live in a culture that exacerbates and provokes the lower aspects of our nature, the fear, the desire, the lust, in order that we will be good consumers, and ignores the fact that we are altruistic, kind, loving, and sweet. Then things get a little bit lost sometimes. Step seven, are you willing to live in a new way that's not all about you and your previous fucked up stuff? You have to. That is another point in this program where there's a kind of spiritual intersection. Me, I'm a person that does pray and meditate, but for me all that means is that I don't just live my life on a material level. I don't just think, oh, I'm Russell, I'm going to go to that thing later and talk to a squire and then I'll be in a car and that's that. No, I see myself as having a life that's beyond the limited scope of sensual and... uh, What do I want to say? Gross understanding. I believe there are subtler energies at work in a human being. You know the coincidences and synchronicities from your own life. You know the mysteries of your own myth. You know the moments where had you turned another corner to quote dear George Michael, another addict that we lost, that maybe your life would have been different. You'd have made different decisions. You may never have met him or her. You may never have taken that job or that opportunity. That sense that perhaps we are being guided. That sense that perhaps the same way as our fingerprints are unique, there is some other code, some less easily ascertainable code that is trying to realise itself the same way that an acorn will grow into an oak tree, the same way that there is some knowledge within each seed, within each cell that it must realise itself. If your consciousness is in attunement with this energy, then I think there are rich, rich possibilities for us as human beings. Eight and nine, step eight, prepare to apologise to everyone for everything affected by your being so fucked up. If you've been a drug addict for any serious amount of time, you've caused some real damage to people. Or if you've been a person that's just put yourself first a lot, you will have caused real damage to people. I did. And part of my journey has been going and making amends. Not just because restitution and apology are good, fine, spiritual things to do, but also to remind me that I don't do that sort of thing anymore. Now when I feel the sort of the 
casual urge to be dismissive of people, something in me reminds me, don't treat other human beings as a commodity. People don't only exist to serve you. Every single one of in this, us in this room has our own little story, has our own little pain, has our own little journey, and none of us needs to be subjugated into one another's lives. But there's some of us have a tendency to insert ourselves into other people's drama. Some of you are like, oh, why do I always go out of arseholes? And those of us that are arseholes are very grateful for your arsehole attraction. But you may be right, it may be better if you looked at your code, looked at your programming, looked at the kind of relationships you're drawn into. Step nine is having made a list of all the people you've damaged, you become willing to make amends to them unless you making amends would fuck their shit up bad for them. E.g. you don't go, mate, I'm ever so sorry, I've been having an affair with your wife. That was wrong. If that person doesn't know that, you've just made their life far, far worse. It's a program of spiritual... Hmm, growth and development. The final three steps, 10, watch out for your fucked up behavior and thinking and be honest when it happens. 11, stay connected to your new perspective. That is an interesting thing that, and that's where prayer and meditation become quite important. Like, there will be times in a day when you let go. You know when someone, when you see a cyclist and a cab driver about to have a row in the street, they've let go. They've let go of the connection, haven't they? All that matters in that moment is, I'm gonna fucking kill you. But if you were able to talk to them and go, mate, you've got your fucking family, your kids, are you willing to give your life up? There have been moments in my life where I've done it too, where I've gone, I'll fucking put every, all the chips of my life, I'll put on that, so I'll gamble a lot on you, mate, you fucking, I'll fucking kill you. And like, for what? For what? For some moment, <laughs> like, it doesn't mean anything. So the step 11 becomes, with step 10, you're constantly observing your patterns, you're watching your mind work. Oh, look, I'm doing that shit again. Step 11 is you remain connected, so that there aren't, you'll notice it. If someone provokes you, check me, I am easy provoked. If, if I feel men are not being respectful to me, I'm provoked because I'm not a conventional male. I grew up in a very conventional male environment. If I feel intimidated or threatened by men, I feel I have to overcompensate for that. But I know that about myself now, so I'm not entirely governed by it. The 12th step is where you dedicate your life to helping other people, where we unpick the great problem of our age, self-centeredness, narcissism, obsession with self, my hair, my products, this lovely little fucking Alexander McQueen, little skeleton thing. I start to look beyond self-centeredness, knowing that it will always be there, but not having it as my coordinate as my guiding star my guiding star becomes are you being kind to anyone pause for a moment to think have you done anything for anyone other than yourself all day today and if the answer is no that's a weird thing for a social animal that's meant to live in little tribes roaming through forests and plains if all you've done is I want this I want that I want that now I'm not talking about you I'm talking about me me if I don't watch myself very self-centered little individual so that's a sort of a bit of a 25 minute pricey of how this program works anyone can do it it's fucking easy you shouldn't do it on your own but if you're not doing it you're being subjected to the patterns of your childhood That was uh, Russell Brand's translation of the 12 steps. Um, I think it's very powerful the way that he translates it because it's not so archaic. Um, it's very modern. Um, it's without fear. Uh, it's without, you know, 
it's just not pompous. Anyway, uh, now I'd like to preface this um, by first saying that I am in no way speaking for any sect of any of the 12-step programs, organizations, or fellowships. I'd also like to say that most would consider the 12 steps a system of recovery, uh, which it is. However, my translation isn't necessarily for recovery. It is more to be used by creatives when they're experiencing creative block or can't figure out which direction to head in. So this is a two-parter and this episode will be my creative translation of the first six steps of the 12 step program. Um, We will get into the next six in a future episode. Step one, we were, we admitted we were powerless, powerless over our addiction, in this case, creative block, that our lives had become unmanageable without it. This is by no means a direct way of thinking of creative block. But as we all know, the first step is to admit we have a problem so as to solve it. The admit it's part and taking responsibility part is the hardest hump to get over. If you cannot admit that the creative block is your fault, then how on earth do you expect to fix it? As in an AA, NA, SA, etc. program, this step is one of the most difficult and often causes the most who seek recovery to keep acting out or most who seek recovery to keep acting out as it is called uh, because they still have yet to admit and take responsibility Uh, this however is not self-pity it's also in this guy's opinion self-acceptance and that is one hell of an esteemable act step two We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Okay, Uh, now this one's a head-scratcher. Do you believe in a higher power? I sure as hell didn't. I personally loathe religion. However, the most interesting part about this step was that I didn't necessarily have to believe in a specific religion to accept this step. I simply upgraded, so so to speak, um, my spiritual journey that I had been on since I was young and tried a series of things like prayer, meditation, yoga, and marijuana. Now, I'm not saying any of these are what you should do, but they wouldn't hurt, and you don't have to believe in the big white man with a beard in the clouds Um, The universal power is the one I believe in, and it's effectively based in science. I took from Buddhism, Christianity, the Hindus, and so many more to find what I believed in. What my belief is boiled down to is the atom. I believe we are all made up of it. We are all connected by it. So having a spiritual connection, even with something like your pen or a typewriter, that can change the way you look at creativity altogether. Step three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God 
as we understood him. So this step here explains it so well. As God, as we understand him, or her, or it, or them, I could honestly care less what personal pronoun you use. This step is also very difficult, especially for the nihilist, the cynic, or the atheist. Guilty as charged. I'm not here to preach to anyone. I don't want to tell anyone what to believe. But it's not hard to see when you let go of all care for something and stop trying to control things. Life gets a lot easier. Ever notice when you're frantically looking for something and you just can't find it for hours? Then you finally give up and it appears. Now I'm not saying that's necessarily God, but it sure as hell says something about the universe and letting go of control. So if you want to get rid of creative block, you have to stop giving it so much power over you. Remember that creative block can be like an addiction. And if you just let go and put the pen on the paper and turn up, you'll find that it all just falls into place. I want to talk to you a bit about uh, the 12 steps and the model for handling addiction that I've written about myself in my book, Recovery, because I want to see what you think of it. Uh, like, so, like, uh, the 12 steps have anonymous fellowships, which I, if I were to belong to them, I wouldn't be able to say I belong to them without breaching their code of anonymity. But uh, the, uh, what's positive about uh, this approach to addiction is, uh, as we have discussed off mic, uh, that it creates community, like the other people that have got a similar endeavour. And in fact, it was Jung that identified uh, this uh, this solution. Yeah. Um, he said that like people that have got chronic addi addiction issues will struggle to change unless they have a spiritual realisation of some kind yeah. and the support of a community. Yeah. Well, and the spiritual realisation component, that's actually supported by the relevant addiction literature. One of the classic cures for addiction is spiritual transformation. And the hardcore scientists have, have laid that out as, as a reality in the addiction literature. I agree, because to use more secular language around that, a spiritual transformation could just be a change of perspective, a, a renewal. It's a radical of, change of perspective. Yeah, yeah. From and, and typically in my experience, that's from a self-centered view, a self-obsessive view about getting your own needs met, uh, a solipsistic, narcissistic perspective of life is this uh, is just an adventure where I go around trying to accumulate and accrue to, oh wow, I'm here to be of service. That's sort of the mm -hmm. transition right, in right. microscopically. Yes. But in addition to uh, community, like having connections between one another, the, the 12 steps themselves, I think, are an interesting model for transformation and shouldn't be overlooked. And in fact, what my book was about is, can, could that method be transposed to anybody who's interested in change? So I wanted to talk to you about that to get your perspective on sure. them. The first step is acknowledging that you are powerless over your addiction and that your life has become unmanageable. Just admitting this is, I don't want so to that, be in this situation. Okay, so, okay, so two, there's two parts to that admission, eh? One is that you're in trouble. Yeah. And 
I guess there's three. You're in trouble and it's serious. Things could be better and you don't have the wherewithal at the moment to make them better. So the thing that's interesting about that is there's a kind of radical humiliation and humility that mm. goes along with that. So you say, I have a problem yeah. and what I know at the moment isn't sufficient to solve it. Great, yes. because now you've opened yourself up to the possibility of learning something. Yes. As you say, well, I don't know. I don't know enough to fix this. It's like, yeah. okay, well, you could learn. And one of the things that's so interesting about people is that if they decide they have a problem and they also notice that they could learn, the probability that they will learn goes way up. Mm, that's very interesting. You've actually conflated the first three steps there in your analysis of the first one because the, the first one is admission that there's a problem. The second one is recognising that things could improve, like came to believe that power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And the third one is made a decision to turn our life and our will over to the care of God as we understood God. So like, you know, yeah. Yeah, and we could talk about that from a secular perspective. Well, we could talk about that from a secular perspective and say, well, there's a, there's a higher order moral principle that needs to be brought into the situation. And you sort of described that right at the beginning of the question because you said, well, what, partly what you do when you move from an addicted state, from a psychological perspective, is move from a viewpoint of the gratification of immediate desire and, and maybe the accumulation of things as a marker of success to the notion that, no, you actually have a higher purpose and that higher purpose might involve being of service. That could be of service to yourself, which means you wouldn't be addicted anymore because that's not a good way of being of service to yourself, but of service to yourself and the broader community, however you might define that. That's a higher order purpose and it can integrate your motivations at, at a level that doesn't leave you at the whim of impulse. That's yes. the purpose of a higher order motivation. So, okay, so we've got three. Yes, that, that's the, the first three, is to get you to that position where you're willing to change, believe in the possibility of change, and accept help in order to achieve that change. Yep. Step four. We made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Okay. Now, this one is scary because... This is where the change begins. What this step is saying is basically you need to audit yourself, both creatively and personally. It's not all that hard, really. The hard part is really going as deep beneath the surface as you can. Looking yourself in the mirror and saying, what are my morals both creatively and personally and do I live by them or do I just say I live by them Russell Brand has a brilliant table for this step I will include a link to the page in the notes below however what I like to do when I audit myself is ask three people who know me disgustingly well and say that I'm Say to them, be as harsh as you want. Please tell me how you think of me as a person. Honestly, and what you think my flaws and weaknesses are. But also ask them for what they think your strengths and positive traits are. Finally, you could ask them what they think your morals are. This is a great exercise in seeing how you portray yourself. To those you care about and seeing if you are living up to your morals. I suggest you then sit down 
and write an actual inventory. It should only take an hour, maybe two, and you will be surprised at how much you can change and how many reasons there are for you to love yourself. This can then help you remove any creative block because you will have a great or rather a better understanding of who you are and how you work best. Step five. We admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. This is a tough one for those who have addictions because it can be dark. I suggest taking the inventory slash audit you've done on yourself in the last step and sit with a really close friend or family member whom you can trust and won't be hurt directly by this inventory and going through it with them. This can be hard to admit the darkness in you, but the only way to beat the darkness is to get it into the light where it is weak and can go to die. Kind of like the Death Eaters and the Patronus. This can be both difficult and cathartic at the same time. I personally love this step because I try to do it yearly so as to stay on track with my own human development. As creatives, we spend a lot of time in our own minds and we can often make a thing out much worse about ourselves than it actually is. This is why a loving friend or family member can help you to give you a better sense on yourself so that you can get past your creative block. Step six. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Okay. I'll admit, this was not one I thought was possible. In fact, I still struggle with the idea of some magical wizard in the clouds just waving his fingers and removing all that makes me flawed. Or as they say, defects of character. However, I think this may be the most metaphorical of all the steps so far. I interpret this as, if you have been willing up until this point to let go of your pride and say, this is what I take responsibility for, then my flaws are mainly about me and how I think of myself, etc. Then God, as you understand him, will help you to move forward. Now, I know this sounds a little woo-woo, however, let me clarify. Just trust in me. Have you ever had or made a decision or proclamation out loud to someone and has almost by chance come true? Yeah, that's called the law of attraction. Not like in that stupid book, The Secret. I'm talking about like in physics. I'm no physicist, so to explain the science would be like a child trying to explain quantum theory. So, I'm not going to attempt it. 
I suggest reading on the Googles. Look, have you ever felt that when things are bad, they only get worse? Well, this is because of your mindset and how you frame things. If you stub your toe the same day you lose your job and you say, ah, fuck, the universe hates me. Everything that's bad that could happen is fucking happening. That is an unrealistic scale of negative outcomes because we all know those are not relative to each other. Stubbing your toe is nowhere near on a scale of good to bad as bad as losing your job. However, if you frame losing your job in a positive light, it could be the first day of the rest of your life. There's actually an episode of The Office where the branch uh, that the crew work in is going to be closed down and all the staff each have individual reactions. Some like Michael and Dwight overreact and hatch a plan to ambush the CFO of the company outside his home. And others like Creed, Pam and Stanley start selling things from the office and making and planning trips and retirement plans. We are screwed. Dunder Mifflin Scranton is being shut down. Michael, uh, we shouldn't be talking about this until all the decisions have been made. You knew about this all along, didn't you? Jan told me just a few minutes before she told you. Traitor. You are a traitor. What about us, Michael? Do we still have jobs? I don't know. Probably not. This is the worst. So, this has been great. So let's get back to work and do the best job that we can. Toby, I'd like to see you in my office, please. It makes perfect sense that it would happen today because I just received this in the mail. A thousand business cards with this address and phone number. I don't want to blame anyone in particular. I think everyone's to blame. What has this got to do with the creative? Well, as I said back in episode 42, entitled The Blank Canvas and Its Curse, the, that the blank canvas is only as scary or as exciting as you make it. If you decide it has to be beautiful, then you'll never start. So just turn up and start. All right, it's Q and A time, guys. Q and A time. Let's do it. Let me just move the microphone. Uh, so if you want to ever want to ask me any questions uh, uh, for making lemonade, uh, I put up every week a Q&A uh, sticker on my Instagram, on my Instagram story. So stay tuned to my Instagram at Jordan Morpeth Art. Um, so let's just get into these questions. There's only two this week, but they're from two really good people. First question is from Meerkats Cosplay, a good friend of mine, Mr. Zach Katz. Um, he said, what should you do? if a client doesn't pay up? That's a very good question. Um, I've done a lot of thinking about this and I've dealt with this before. Uh, my answer to this question is twofold. One, um, in future, try to take a deposit. Um, I try to take at least 50 to 50%, if not 100%. If you take 100%, 
Um, you're guaranteed the money and you just have to do the work. Um, but you have to have the discipline to do the work if you're going to do that. Um, I suggest taking the money up front. Um, that's the best way to do it, especially if you're freelancing. Um, but if they don't pay up, just keep sending invoices. Um, there's not much you can do, unfortunately. You can't really control people. Um, but you just bother them and bother them. You make sure that, you know, you sign, you can write contracts. Um, if you feel like the person's dodgy, you're always going to get tire kickers and really dodgy people um, in any industry, especially when it comes to graphic design and, and illustration. So I suggest um, covering your bases, just making sure that, you know, you're you get a deposit of some sort because then they're invested or if they pay the whole amount, they're invested. They've invested the money already. That's probably the best way to do it. Um, I'd try to take as much money as possible up front. Um, and, you know, every client's different. Some people can't afford the whole money up front. That's fine. They just give you 50%. But most people are pretty happy to pay you up front, get it out of the way and then get the work done. Um, so, yeah, that's what I suggest if, uh, if a client doesn't pay up. I hope... You're not having too many issues, my friend. Um, second question is from our loyal boy. It's Nord Bryce. So Kevin asks, do you think we're alone in this universe? Oh, this is a loaded question. No. <laughs> That's my answer to the question. No, we're definitely not alone in this universe. It's very, to me, it's narcissistic and self-absorbed to assume that we as human beings are the only life or intelligent life so to speak in the universe look at how much life is on this planet to begin with birds trees tigers um there's no way that there's not intelligent life out there of some sort or just some form of life out there we could be the most intelligent form but i highly doubt it um highly highly doubt it I don't know I grew up on Men in Black and all that shit so sci-fi films Star Wars I feel like there's definitely something out there and the reason why we haven't found it is because it's more advanced than us um, and we are the primitive ones to them and they've kept their their presence unknown to us intentionally um, because they didn't want us, I don't know, they're, they're, they're biding their time. And I love the, the response. I'm actually going to use a similar response to this question that Neil deGrasse Tyson uses. He basically says, okay, so take the smartest ape, right? the smartest chimpanzee that ever existed, it would still struggle very much to understand. And then if we took, you know, uh, a high school graduate and that high school graduate spoke to this chimp and communicated to it, the communication level would be zero to none. Yes, this chimp could probably communicate, hello, how, how are you, and, and small talk, but you wouldn't be able to teach this chimp quantum theory or even how an iPhone works for that matter. Um, and so think of that as far as intelligent life form. We might not be able to communicate with something. Like, have you seen Arrival? That shit's pretty close to what I think would happen. Um, we might not be able to communicate with something that comes. Um, because 
it's so advanced to us and the whole point is the the chimps are 2% difference in DNA to us and we can hardly understand them and hardly communicate with them so if something is 2% DNA from like advanced of us evolved of us there's no fucking way we'll be able to communicate it communicate with it no way imagine if it's 10% DNA evolved from us like we're fucked <laughs> they they just think they probably think we're three like the way that we look at a three year old child we're, we're children to them we're you know this shit like if we even put you know our smartest scientist in which used to be Stephen Hawking you know rest his soul the late great Stephen Hawking if he spoke to these aliens he would be like a three year old to them you know anyway that's my thoughts on are we alone in the universe thank you Kevin for that now the reason why I decided to do this series on the 12 steps is that here at Making Lemonade we like to get deep under the skin of creatives and show you guys that the best way to change creatively is to look at yourself first and work on you because as we all know life informs art. As I said in the intro this is a two-parter and I will be continuing this series in the next few weeks because next week it is the big episode, the big 50 uh, half century baby and I have the, and I have the found boys aka the articulate boys aka the new mumble boys aka the clueless boys yes two of my favorite people and by far the most listened to guests Jackson and Rui are back to help me celebrate our 50th episode so stay tuned for the next for that next week ladies and gentlemen Thank you so much for listening. I love you all. If you want any more information on how I maintain my mental health or the 12 steps for creatives, please feel free to contact me on Instagram at Jordan Morpeth Art or on Slack. Um, this, these two episodes will also be an article um, on my blog, on my website. So if you go to www.jordanmorpethart.com forward slash making lemonade you will be able to find that there that's www.jordanmorpethart.com forward slash making lemonade if you would like to support the podcast please just take a screenshot of the episode and share it on your stories on instagram facebook snapchat or wherever you socialize in the world wide web and come join our slack community to chat about the episodes also you can leave a review on itunes thank you all my weirdos again I love you so much. I've been your host, Jordan. Take care of yourselves. And as always, guys, stay weird. Ba-dum, bum, ba-dum, bum, bum. My spider senses are tingling.
Lifting the pain That has taken you I hear it in your voice So ridden with shame From what's ailing you I won't give up
सा